his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Roaming St. Louis this week, I landed on South Grand, specifically the Gin Room, Salva Osteria, and the natural wine store Grand Spirits. They're all owned by Natasha Barami and Michael Fricker. Natasha's parents came to St. Louis in the 70s as immigrants from Iran. We started there. My father had a crazy palate and uh, a passion for food, but had no experience whatsoever. Um, He took some land that he owned in California and converted that into a little investment in a restaurant downtown called The Little Kitchen. Open for 14 years uh, we opened Cafe Natasha on Del Mar for 10 years, and we opened Cafe Natasha on Grand. Um, it had now been, as of this past year, uh, 21 years that we had been on South Grand. And the menu for Cafe Natasha was Persian food. Yeah. But you have transitioned to more Italian food, correct? Yes. My mother, who has been uh, for 39 years running a Persian restaurant alongside each other, um, it was time for her to retire and have her own life. This was a transition that we had been trying to do for about five years, and then the perfect partnership just fell into our lap with Matt Wynn, who is our partner with Salve Osteria, and that is Italian, Mediterranean inspired, and it also really connects very well with the Gin Room's programming. So that was just kind of a beautiful serendipitous. Mike, tell me how you guys met. Uh, So we actually met on my 30th birthday um, when myself and a bunch of friends went into the gin room for drinks. Um, I was the chef at the Four Seasons and yeah, we were just out for a day and we went into the gin room for drinks. A friend of mine was a big gin room fan, so yeah. Well, Michael, I mean, uh, chef at Four Seasons, that's no joke. So you must have some culinary background that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I've been a chef for pretty much all of my career up until about four years ago. Um, Previous to this, I was in New Jersey and running uh, five restaurants for a hotel group uh, there. And I went to culinary school in Portland, Oregon uh, and lived there for three or four years and worked at a bunch of restaurants Um, And then I had lived in uh, Mexico and Oaxaca uh, and learned how to cook there um, for about a year, just under a year. So chefing has has really always kind of been what I've done. Um, And then I left uh, Cinder House after we had opened that 
uh, about a year in and moved to bartending and uh, booze. Obsession with wine. Yeah. Okay, well, since we're in Grand Spirits, let's move to that. Let's talk about this place because it's fairly new as well. Mm -hmm. What was the concept that led you to create Grand Spirits? Yeah, uh, for me, I wanted a little boutique uh, bottle shop. And I love uh, natural wines. Translates very well from my chef world, focusing on agriculture and sustainability um, in practices. And so there wasn't really a spot um, that was doing a lot of natural wines retail or was doing all natural wines retail. And we were doing a natural, a fully natural wine program at the gin room. Um, and I just wanted a little bottle shop that focused solely into sustainable small producers, um, and clean agriculture and, you know, that kind of production methods. What is natural wine Mm -hmm. uh, by definition and how does it differ from say organic? Natural wine will have a lot of organic tendencies. So, um, there really isn't a overarching definition for natural wine. There's there's some, but there's there's no like legal standard for it. So natural wine, by what we uh, standardize, is wine that is focused into clean and sustainable agriculture. So no spraying of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. Primarily, it works. It looks into biodynamics as a farming practice as well. Um, but the big kind of changes come during uh, vinification, which uh, we do nothing added, nothing removed wines, so no acids, no sweeteners, no stabilizers, uh, all native yeast fermentation, um, everything from the fields, and then minimal to no sulfite spraying or preservatives during the cellar. Where do the wines come from that you sell here? Yeah, uh, so all over. Um, We have a lot of French, we have a lot of Italian, we have a lot of Spanish, uh, but then we also have a bunch of South South American, South African, um, California. We've got stuff from New York. We've got stuff from Maryland, uh, Oregon. So it's it's really the natural wine um, kind of movement is a global thing. So there is wines from everywhere. Now, I think the question that would be on people's minds who don't know about natural wine would mm-hmm. be, A, the taste mm-hmm. versus, and B, the price. So first, taste, everybody kind of thinks of natural wine as being this this super funky kind of sour beer-esque. And it can be. There there are those kinds of wines, for sure. But, I mean, the natural wine movement really, as we know it now, started in Beaujolais, France. And so you have very kind of traditional tasting wines. And so you can really run the gamut of grabbing a Pinot Grigio or a Pinot Noir that would be very similar to what you drink all the time or you can come in and grab some really weird kind of oranges and um, whites and reds that are high acid and really fun and really unique um, and kind of a true statement of the place and time that they're made price wise you can go from $10 bottles to $150 bottles so it really does uh, kind of run the gamut there we do have a table that's our we call it our Tuesday table um, and it's all wines under 20 bucks and and so there is something for like your everyday or special occasion. That's a really interesting industry. Um, well, let's talk about gin. Yeah. <laughs> Our <laughs> favorite. I heard a story about a dirty martini yeah. that maybe triggered I, this passion for gin. I've told this story so many times that I'm sometimes convinced myself that I made it up, but I know <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> 
I would say to anyone, growing up in the restaurant industry will drive you to drink. I've never <laughs> been the biggest drinker, but it sure uh, drove me to a dirty martini at the ripe age of 22. Um, but really, this was at an age where vodka was everything, right? That's what everyone was drinking. And so I never understood or differentiated. I would just ask for a dirty martini. Uh, the big change came. It was an older gentleman behind the bar, probably somewhere that no longer exists. But I have some guesses of where it may have been. But if I wish he would have known, he actually changed the, my life and much of the this gin world that's happening in the Midwest. But I ordered a dirty martini, and he he said he gave me one. And in my 22 years of age, it was the best dirty martini I'd ever had. Right. Do you put a special olive juice in it? And he goes, I, it's gin and olive juice. And I was like, you put gin in it? And he just walks away. And he's like, I'm not doing this right now. And I fell so deep in love with the flavor profiles and the range that gin can do. That it was a very much a hobby of mine. But I read everything. I tasted everything. I dived into anything. Every country I went to. When I lived in New York, when I lived in Spain, it was just part of my like little gospel on the side. It was like, <laughs> but get it with gin or get it with this. And it just deeply got into my soul how much I was a kind of nuanced obsessed with it. I'm going to ask you a very basic question. What is gin? Yes. Well, by United States standards, it's a pretty vague answer. Gin can be anything... Uh, generally a neutral based spirit that has juniper spirit or juniper botanicals added to it in addition to additional botanicals. It's that simple. And the rules, especially in um, the United States, do not limit it very much. And that's actually part of the confusing part about gin. There's such a range and spectrum of flavor profiles that you can't necessarily understand just by the label. Um, there's something called London Dry Gin, which is known at it's a it's a method of distillation. It's a flavor profile um, where it's supposed to be a bit more juniper forward and very crisp with a neutral base spirit. What's happening in American distilling right now, or uh, I call it contemporary gins, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be juniper forward as long as there's juniper in it. So there's so many flavor profiles. We're here has like a guide to let you come in, do a gin tasting flight, or just talk to us and let us find you something that you really just enjoy because every gin is not for everybody. But there is a gin <laughs> for everybody. I like that, and i tell you a personal story here. Uh, coming to the gin room myself, you and your staff have educated me about gin because I traditionally enjoy bourbon. And it's really remarkable, the, the range yes. of flavors that you can get from gin that you can't get from any other liquor, just in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So the other day I was in, and there was actually a brown gin, which had honey in it. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know oh, that existed. The Tomcat Bar Hill Absolutely. is something that we've used for many years to convert uh, many a whiskey drinker, especially here in Missouri, which is a very beer and bourbon town, into the category of gin. We call it like the little bridge that brings you over. And once we earn your trust a bit, 
Most people open up to allow us to be a little bit more experimental about what they're trying. But really, we're not here to throw you into the deep end of gin. We're here to listen to your interest and kind of step you into it in the way that you're comfortable and opens up your own uh, interest in it that you're excited to learn more. I actually had one also that a gin from Italy and he said, see if you can pick out the flavor in this gin. And I swear I was like, this flavor is something very common that I know and I can't put my finger on it. And then he told me and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Tomato. Tomato, <laughs> tomato gin. <laughs> it's and crazy. It definitely has a shock value, but you can have a spirit that's distilled with tomatoes. And it really just shows what gin can do. I could show you a gin that has nuances of tequila and agave. I could show you one that if I put it in a whiskey tasting, you wouldn't pick it out as gin. You would just say, yes, this is a slightly different whiskey, maybe some honey notes to it, as you said. Well, tell me about Gin Week. That's a big event here in St. Louis yes. that people might yes. recognize you for. This crazy little girl <laughs> who decided to open this little gin bar in her parents' Persian restaurant started attracting a lot of distillers around this country. And they kept taking time out of their busy schedule to come visit us. And we would host little seminars, maybe 40 people at a time. And I said, what if we could get them all together around the same time? Instead of sharing with a few people, invite people to come and really taste through the rainbow, kind of. I capitalized <laughs> on my birthday. I used to throw these huge birthday parties. And what I did, like Willy Wonka style, I made... Um, tickets and I sent it to every distiller I was in love with around the nation and I said it's my birthday and I'm hosting this gin festival celebration I wasn't expecting anything and they all said yes they all stopped what they're doing to fly into St. Louis in July I closed down the street uh, Grand in Wyoming closed down the restaurant and invited guests to come to our first gin festival. I don't think there has been a gin festival in the United States prior to that, but I didn't know what else to call it. So about, I think it was about 200 people showed up to this and gins were everywhere, seminars were everywhere, and people got to see how much was in the spectrum of gin and the people behind it. And we are now in year nine. Distillers globally now fly in. Amaro makers globally fly into this. It's made St. Louis the center of gin. I I don't use this lightly, but it is the center of gin for the United States. All right, so let's talk about the future a little bit. What's next? What's next? Well, he has something brewing. Yeah, we have something planned. Uh, we'll probably be announcing in the next six weeks or so. Um, Can you give me a hint? I can't. Okay. Yeah, sorry. But it will be immersive experience. Yes. Where guests can expect a one-on-one -on -one kind of something that is bringing things out that maybe not have not been done here before. But we're trying to create kind of um, an aperitivo 
a lower ABV drinking culture yeah. here that surrounds about around Amaro, um, vermouths, these Sherry. sherries. If you follow the gin room, you'll know that kind of every year the outside bar kind of changes a little bit. Um, and so this year it's going to be an aperitivo, a spritz, and gin and tonic bar. And huh. so it's going to be very focused into Spanish-style gin and tonics uh, and very focused into an Italian-style Italian spritzes. Mike and Natasha, thanks so much for your Thank time. Thank you so much. Learned a, learned a lot. Uh, come down to South Grand, Grand Spirits, Salva Austria, and, and the, gin the Gin Room. And if you ever want to play, Gin Festival is coming up in September. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.